so many things in Scripture that I think we get numb to. And I'm, and I'm not just saying that. I think we've read them, we've heard them, we've gone through them, that we're numb to them. I, I thought about this verse, and uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. and We're going to be going there, and I'm going I'm to be focusing the first part of the message just on the beginning phrasing of it. And, uh, and, and explaining what, what he was talking about, who he was crying out, and what God uses in that passage. But I think we misinterpret even some of these things when we're talking about what, what God has in store for us. I, I thought about this. When, when we get home to heaven, the Bible gives us this illustration when he calls on us. And, and the Bible says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Man, we get so excited about that. Man, I want to hear God say, well done. I, I don't know about you, but for me to live this entire Christian life and to have all the blessings of God and to go home to heaven and not hear those words, it, 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 I have no motive for that. I, I want to hear God say, Tony, well done. I want to hear God say, you took what I gave you, you ran with the ball, you did everything that I asked you to do. Now, l- let me explain it like this. So I've got, I've got my boys and uh, on our day off, we, we cut the grass. That's what we normally do. And right now, we haven't done it in a couple of weeks because of different things going on in the church and our grass is really long. So on our next day off, we're going to be cutting the grass. And if I went out to my boys and I said, guys, this is what I want you to do. I want, as your father, I want you to cut all the grass. I want it all to be bagged and cut and picked up. I'm asking you guys to trim around the house. I'm asking you guys to drag it out to the, uh, to the uh, edge of the yard in the garbage cans. And I want you to blow off the sidewalks when you're done. And if I go out there and I see that the grass is cut, the, the sidewalks are blown off, the, the edge is trimmed and everything is done the way that I asked, I'm going to walk up to my boys and I'm going to say, well done. You did what I asked you to do. You didn't do what you wanted to do or the way you thought it should be done. You did it the way that I asked you to do it. If I, if I was to go outside and they went zigzagged across the yard and they forgot to blow it off the sidewalks and they didn't drag it out to the road and they made a big mess and there was big clumps in there and they sat there and said, I said, no, it's not well done. You didn't do what I was expecting. You didn't do what I asked you to do. It's not well done. It's not what I said to do. And they're sitting there and saying, well, dad, I did a lot of good. I accomplished a lot of things, but it wasn't pleasing unto me. Let me ask you guys, are there things that we do as a church and as believers that is good in our eyes, but not pleasing unto our God? You think about it. Look at all the good that we do. And I'm going to ask, is anybody else warm in here? I am warm. I'm going to ask one of our, Chris, if you can check on that. Do not go to sleep on me this morning, please. I think it's a bad title for this morning. I think that's it. <laughs> Saying it's your fault. You said to decide the dream. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Different kind of dream, okay? Different kind of dream. Amen, amen. But I, I, I thought about this. I, I, want, I want God to say, well done. I want to I do the job he gave me and I want to accomplish the work. And I thought... Is it possible? I don't know what heaven is going to be right. And I, I, I can't stand when preachers put words in God's mouth and say this is what it is when I don't know. So I'm not putting words in God's mouth right now at all. But I'm going to say this because my imagination goes crazy. I have thought about this. What would it be like if I went and stood before God? And God said to me, Tony, I had so much more for you than what you had. 
I had so I had big plans for your kids, but you know what? You, you were satisfied with the status quo. You were satisfied with the fact that they just attended church. You were satisfied with the fact that you could say, well, my kids didn't get in trouble. Or, or you were satisfied with your marriage and the fact that you stayed together for so many years. So, Tony, I, I blessed you with the church and I gave you a foundation and we had a lot of people there and all the potential that that church could have had. But you were satisfied with just the fact that there was a crowd. I imagine if God looked at me and said, I had so much more if you simply would have cried out and asked, if you simply would have followed me, if you simply would have asked. Guys, I, I want to explain the prayer, Jabez. Because I tell you, we've got this idea that sometimes as a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that God wants to hook you up. I tell you, God desires to bless us, but not for your glory, but for his glory. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We make it about ourselves. And I tell you, there's enough of that junk on TV and everything else where there's all these seed gifts and you do this and you do that. And God goes back to you and it's a self-motivated hook me up, build me up and give me stuff. That's not what God is about. God is a great God. God is a God of blessing and God is a God that takes care of us. But it's not about you. I'll, I'll take it a step further. It's not even about Fellowship Baptist Church. We are here for the glory of God, not for the promotion of our name or the edif edification of pastors and preachers, but for the glory of God. But let me ask you, why, why is this in there then? Why is this passage in Scripture for God to give us to us and study? I want you to notice 1 Chronicles chapter 4, just at the beginning, and Jabez called on the God of Israel. And Jabez called on the God of Israel. There, there's a lot of attention. There's a lot of focus on this passage. I, I want to start off and just kind of focus on something that I think is often overlooked. Everything that transpires after this comes as a, as a fact that he called on his God. Why? Number one, he recognized the greatness of his God. Because I, I can tell you, I love doing expository preaching. And when we get to the end of this, we'll break this passage down the rest of the way. But I think it's important for us to understand the greatness of our God. How do we measure success as people today? Now, you know what you're going to do? You're going to look at the world. And you're going to say, oh, I know what success is. Success is when you have a good job and a fancy car. And we look at pop stars and rap stars and movie stars and all these different people. And our world, our culture looks at that and says, wow, that's success. They're popular. You know, you can go overseas and our, our pop stars have their picture hanging on billboards the size of buildings over in Thailand and the Philippines and stuff. We look at it and say, wow, they are successful. And I'm, I'm just asking you, is that because is that how we view success? I'm going to ask you guys, even as a church, are we successful if we fill this building up? Are we successful just because people around the country know of Fellowship Baptist Church? Are we successful because Pastor Tony is this or that? Are we successful in our eyes because of these things? But you know what? In, in, in human speaking, that's what we do. We often measure success according to the world's standard, according to what the world has. You know, according to the Bible, all of these things of your fancy clothes and your expensive shoes and all this, the Bible says these things are wood, hay, and stubble. They'll burn up. They won't last. They're not for eternity. And yet for we as Christians, we sing songs like, How great, how great is our God. 
Name above all names. Worthy to be praised. See, Scripture speaks over and over and over again about the greatness of our God. The greatness of His creation. The greatness of His work. The greatness of His salvation for us. I I just, before we get in this, I want to build up to this because we're doing this thing about greater things. You see, through Scripture, we see the greatness of who He is. Now, you, I don't want you turning. I, I'm going to read you a bunch of verses because I, w- I want to back this up. I want you to show that this is extremely scriptural. Inside uh, Psalms 96, verse 3, it says, Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonderful works among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nation are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. You, you know what he's saying of all the gods of the world, of what they worship? He says, you know what they are? He said, they're idols. You could go down to the garden center at Home Depot and find all of their gods. You could. You're, you're going to find rocks. You're going to find trees. You're going to find symbols and statues and all those things. And that is their gods. He said, our gods made the heavens. Their statues can't give you life. Their idols have never saved a soul. Their prophets lived and died and they stayed in the grave. Their false gods never once saved a soul or redeemed somebody out of uh, the pit of despair. Their gods never gave them peace. But the Bible says that our gods created the heavens. In six days, my God created everything that they've spent the last thousand, two thousand, three thousand years trying to discover and understand. My God did that. My God created the galaxy. My God created DNA. My God created the cure. My God created life. The Bible says in Psalm 145, verse 3, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. The word unsearchable means that it can't be numbered. It can't be disclosed. There is no end to the glory of God. You can study for the rest of your life. You can go to church every Sunday. You can live out the Christian life till God takes you home at 105 years old and never exhaust the greatness of our God. Never. You can study the Bible from front to back and never, ever exhaust the greatness, the grace, and the love of God. You say, why are you saying this? You see... In order for us to understand what God has for us, we've got to understand who he is. We've got to get our eyes off of ourselves and look at the grandeur of God and say, wow, our God is amazing. And not just in the words that we sing in a song. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8 that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. I never want to stop preaching and say, hey, listen, God's goodness and God's grace and God's wonder is unsearchable, literally meaning that you can search it out and never, ever get to the bottom of God's goodness. It never runs dry. It never gets old. It never is exhausted. You say, why, why, what's the importance of all this? Why did Paul say this? Why did he preach this? Because Paul was getting us to understand that we see also God's greatness and how he works. Have you ever noticed how God works? With God, nothing is weak, nothing is apathetic, nothing is passive, nothing is done second rate. Everything that God ever did, he did over the top. Now, I'm I'm, I'm setting you guys up. I'm just going to warn you right now. I'm setting you guys up for something. 
every single thing that God did. God didn't just say, oh, hang a couple of stars. The, the, the stars are unmeasurable. They're, they're unnumberable. They're, they're amazing beyond what we could imagine. Every time they build a bigger telescope, all they do is discover that there is way more than what they ever dreamed. Let, let me just read for you. and I, I want you guys to catch up on something, okay? God is never apathetic. But listen to what he says. Starting in Genesis chapter 1, verse 20, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly. Genesis 17, 2, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. In Judges 14, 6, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon mightily. The Bible talks about how he triumphed gloriously. The Bible says in Psalms 147, verse 5, great is our God and of great power, his understanding is infinite. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it talks about with, with us, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Did you notice how my God works? Ever, just, just go through your Bible. As we're doing our devotions over the next six weeks, and you're reading in your Bible, every time you come across a passage about how my God works, you're going to see it's never second rate, it's never passive, it's always over the top, it's always great. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. You say, what is the point? That is how our God works. Every Christian, every believer, I want you guys to get this today. That is how our God works. So, okay, okay. Now I'm going to ask you, how does, how does God put this out? Do, do you realize that people say, well, Pastor Tony, that's great, but let's just be honest. Times are different today. And I know that God used to do exceedingly, and I know that God did abundantly, and I know God did over the top, and this is how God works, works but things are much different. Things are tougher today. Wednesday night, I shared with the church the thought, and I could not shake this. I went back and I started writing these things out and thinking about these. Do you ever notice when we talk about God doing something big, not only did God do something amazing and God do something big and God did something over the top, but every time God did one of these things, he did it in the middle of opposition. Now in the prayer of Jabez, he's standing there and the, the, the nation was destroyed. They were standing in rubble. There was opposition on every side. He's standing there asking God for a miracle. But you think about this. The walls of Jericho dropped in the middle of opposition. The Red Sea was split in the middle of opposition. Gideon won the battle in an impossible way in the middle of opposition. Elijah prayed down fire from heaven in the middle of opposition. David dropped the giant in the middle of opposition. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood in the fire in the middle of opposition. Daniel stood in the lion's den in the middle of opposition. Esther stood before the king in the middle of opposition. Paul and Silas experienced the shaking of the earthquake, waking them all up in the middle of opposition. And you're going to tell me that God doesn't do great things? And you're going to say, well, look at how bad things are. They're throwing God out of school and the government and everything else. That has not changed God's greatness whatsoever. Amen. You know what he does instead? You know what our God does instead? God sets up opposition to put us through the fire or through the lion's den or through the walls of Jericho or through the Red Sea for his glory and greatness to be seen on the other side. But we come up to the wall and go, wow, it's 2016. It's pretty bad. Oh, well, God doesn't work that way anymore. And God's going, what are you doing? I set this stage for you. 
I have it all laid out. I don't care if it's 2016. I don't care who's running for president. I don't care how the nation's falling apart. I am still a great God. That is how God works. So I told you guys I'm setting you up. Do you know how God shows his greatness? Do you know how God desires to show his greatness to this generation? I'm looking at it right here. See, the Bible says that Jabez prayed unto the God of Israel. He prayed and he recognized, God, you are able. And God, you are big. And God, you're bigger than all of this. God, you're an amazing God. And God looked down at Jabez and said, I'm going to use you to do it. I choose you as a nobody. He wasn't royalty. He wasn't a king. He wasn't a prophet. He had no money or all the things that we talk about that you would have to have to accomplish these things. God blessed him because Jabez asked for it. We, we, we see in this passage the greatness of our God, but let me show you the avenue of his greatness. Why did God answer the prayer of Jabez? Because Jabez was a tool to declare the greatness of our God. Now, I mean, I, 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 this is going to baffle some of us, but I'm going to ask you guys, do you know why we sit there and talk about what God did in the Bible? You realize every one of those stories is for God to prove to us and to remind us that that's what he wants to do with us. It's not just so that you could have flannel graph. You, you think about it. Man, we get in there and we flip the stories and then, ooh, there's the Daniel in the lion's den and God called or, on the angels to protect them. Then we flip the page and, oh, look, at they came on the Red Sea. But God, and it's, it's become a myth. When did the power of our God become nothing more than stories to tell the children? When did the greatness of our God get so suppressed that there is more worship in America of Allah than there is of Jesus Christ? God says, I, I have a way that I want to show them my greatness. I have a way to carry it out. Jabez, I'll use you. And Esther, if you'll stand, I'll use you. And Gideon, I know you're scared to death, but I'll use you. Paul and Silas, I know you're going to be locked up, but I'll use you. And all through Scripture, we realize that God uses man to declare and to show and to lift up the greatness of our God. It was never about Daniel or any of these people. What they all had in common is they recognized the greatness of God, that they were nothing more than vessels that desired to see God do great things. That's what they all had in common. They were all servants that looked at God in the midst of difficulties. Paul said this in Ephesians, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance. Now listen, in the saints. In the saints. Look at the next verse. Let me look at the verse. <laughs> And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? You, 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 you're reading this with me, right? And the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? In the same book we read in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, Now unto him that is able... 
to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. God uses us to declare his glory. God uses us to declare his greatness. God uses us to declare his goodness. In the world around us, I'm going to ask you right now, in the world around us, are they seeing the greatness of our God? And I'm going to say, just being honest today, no. That is why there's more attention on Allah. That is why we have a Buddhist temple four minutes from Fellowship Baptist Church. Why? Because they're not seeing the greatness of our God. In 2013, it was estimated that four to 7,000 churches in America shut their doors every single year. The most recent research by Thomas Rainer came out and published that it is now up to seven to 12,000 churches in America shut their doors every year. How can a nation that was born to be one nation under God decline to the point we are now the fourth largest mission field in the world? We sit there and talk about the greatness of our God. We sing and lift up our voices about the greatness of God. We read in scripture how God does everything exceedingly abundantly above. How he does it with power and greatness and joy and love and all these other things. And we don't experience it. I'm going to ask you as a church, why? I believe the answer is in Revelation chapter 3 when Jesus confronts the church. And I know I've spoke on that passage. It's one of my favorites to speak on. But let me remind you what it says when Jesus confronts the church and he says, I know your works. I know what you do. And he said, I have somewhat against thee. Because he said, you're neither cold nor hot. He said, I've got a lot of people that are just lukewarm. They're stagnant. They're still. They're calm. They're, they're, they're bored. There's, no, there's no, nothing alive inside of them. There, there's nothing that makes them crave or desire. They're completely content with where they're at. He said in there, he says, I know because you think that you're increased with goods and have need of nothing is what he said. He said, I know. I know your hearts. You sit there and say, what do you mean? This building's paid for. What do you mean? We've got servants at the door. What do you mean? We've got offerings coming in. What do you mean? We've got everything taken care of. And God said, here's my thinking about the church like that. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. You want to be the one instead of saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant, that God turns you and says, you make me sick. He said, wait, 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 wait a minute. Look at all the stuff we're doing. <laughs> wait a minute. Look, at, look, look over your shoulder, Pastor Tony. There's, there's a lot going on right now. He said, I know your works. He said, I'm, I'm not saying that you're not going through the motions of doing this. But see, apathy is the opposite of greatness. Did you guys ever think about that? Apathy is... Thank God our... Our Olympians and the Olympics didn't run to the, the Olympics that way. Like, are you going to win? Uh-oh. <laughs> Ask Christians. Stand at the door and greet people. How are you? I'm alive. <laughs> We're coming into worship. The one true God, the creator of heaven and earth, the God that is above Allah, the God that's above uh, Buddha, the God that's above Muhammad, the God that's all this. And then we sit there and walk through the door and say, how are you doing, brother? I'm alive, aren't I? Let's worship the one true living God. <laughs> the prophets of Baal did better than that when they were worshiping a God that never even answered them. Right, right. 
And I'm not saying it's all hype and emotions and ooh, and I'm not saying that you just walk through the door like you just drank two Red Bulls in the parking lot. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I am going to say that I am alive in Christ and things that are alive aren't dead. I'm not dead in Christ. I'm alive in Christ. I once was dead, but I'm alive now. He gave me life and it's not just my breath. It's his breath inside of me. I'm going to show you something. And if they can put it on the screen, I want you guys to get this. And if it's, it's not your first time to hear this, I, it's okay. This is what he said. The end of that passage, he said in Revelation 3.19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous. He said, you be zealous. Do you know what he says? And repent. Because if you're not zealous, you're not right with God. The only time he tells you to repent and go the other way, repent is turning from what is wrong. He says, be zealous and repent, literally meaning if this is the direction you're going and it's not zealous, you better turn around and go the other way. He's telling the church that if you feel like you're okay, okay is not okay with God. Apathy is not okay with God. Coasting is not okay with God. If it is not the things that God promised of exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, and you've settled with I'm just existing or I'm coasting or I'm okay, it's not okay with God. And God says to the church, you better therefore repent and be zealous. You say, what what do you mean to zealous? I looked at it and thought, what what is it? Just be like, woohoo, you know, I'm, I'm all worked up. It's like, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. You know, sign up, you know, every line on the sign up sheets in the lobby. What is zealous? What does that mean? I looked it up. That word zealous in that passage right there means to desire more. It means to desire more. He says to the church, he said, this is what I want. Not lukewarm. He said, I want you to be cold or hot. I want you to be on fire. I want every service and every one of you, I want to desire more. I want the church to say, God, bring it. God, expand it. God, deliver it. God, pour it out. And every time he does, you stand up and say, do it again. Bring it on. Bring it more. Never let it stop. Never be satisfied. It's It's not just okay to be okay with God. So every time God says, you know what? I had somebody baptized this Sunday. God says, why don't you pray for two more? God, we, we had somebody in attendance. God says, be zealous, ask for more. We're okay. Then God says, repent, stop it. That attitude of being okay is not going to spread my goodness and my greatness to the world. I am a great God. I've chosen you, Jabez. Ask for it. I'll give it to you because I want my goodness and glory to be seen among the people. Every one of those stories. Daniel in the lion's den in the Red Sea. When Daniel came out and he said, Nebuchadnezzar cried out to him and he said, Daniel, did your God keep you alive? Be at peace. My God was with me. Did we not cast three men into the fire? I see a fourth one inside there. You see every one of these things and you sit there and say, what are you trying to do? Preach for people that drive Cadillacs and all? No, I'm talking about expanding things for the glory of God, not yourself. See, that's where we've gotten wrong. Nobody's going to be impressed and see the glory of God because you drive around in a fancy car or have shiny shoes. I don't care what celebrity's on your shoe. I don't care how many times he's dunked a ball. It's not about those things. Everything that God has given us to do, and I'm not even saying these things are wrong. God does bless us. God does take care of us. God wants 
the glory of God to be seen in us. But it's not about those things. It's about the glory of God. For people to be able to see that people are being saved and baptized and changed because of what God has done. He said in the command in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. Do it with all thy might. I'm going to tell you guys right now. Whatever God has given Fellowship Baptist Church to do, you better do it with all thy might. If we've gone to the point where we just coast and coast and all of a sudden we're just sitting there, God says, Fellowship Baptist Church, it's time to hit your knees and repent. Because that's not how I work. We see the greatness of our God We see the avenue of his greatness as he works through us. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Jabez. But last, we see a desire for God's greatness. We see a surrendered man calling out to a great God, asking him to do great things. 1 Chronicles chapter 4 verse 10, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, Enlarge my coast, and thy hand might be with me, and that thou wouldst keep me from evil, that I may not be grie- that it may not grieve me. And listen to this: and God granted him that which he requested. Jabez stood before there, and he was like, and I, I don't know what came to him. And I just put it, put yourself in that place, okay? Be, you you be Jabez right there, and and he's standing in this messed up society and this messed up thing and this tiny piece of land and he's sitting there going, wait a minute, wait a minute. God, you're a God of greatness. You're, you're a God that is able to conquer and deliver and overcome and bless and all these things. And he began to pray and say, Lord, could it be more for the glory of God? Could you do more for the glory of God? Lord, is it bigger than what I'm seeing it to be right now? The, the Bible says, and he, and he asked the Lord to bless him. And it doesn't stop right there. You guys, that's how, how we normally play. Every one of us, I promise you, if you prayed today, you probably prayed something about blessings. Lord, bless the service today. Lord, bless my kids today. Bless our worship time. Bless the ministry. Bless my lesson that I'm going to give. But that's not what Jabez prayed. Now remember what he prayed honored the Lord. The Bible says in that passage, he said, Lord, bless me indeed. Bless me Indeed. Do you know that word indeed means abundantly? His prayer that God says that man is more honorable than the rest. When he prayed, he prayed what most of us would consider selfish. He said, Lord, would you bless me big time? Lord, would you bless my church over the top and abundantly? Lord, would you and my family... Do way more than what I could ever imagine. So I started doing this. I started looking at my kids and my wife and my family and my church differently. Guys, and if you're going to write me off saying, well, it's a wealth and prosperity and all this other stuff, then, then, then you've ignored everything we have studied so far. I think we've put God in a little bitty box and sat him up there. We've limited God's power and we've limited God's greatness. And we sat there and we're so afraid of what other people are doing that we sit there and we downplay the greatness of our God. 
But I, I, I started thinking and praying and just saying, God, I'm not just asking you to bless my family. I'm asking you to do something big and exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask and above what I could think. I don't even know what I'm praying for. Guys, that's the great thing about it. I don't even know what I'm asking for. Because he said it's above what I could ask or think. So I, I sit there and I, I pray for my kids every night. I, I pray before I go to bed and I, I pray when I get in my car and I pray when I'm in my office and I pray before I study and I pray before I preach and I pray shallow prayers. Lord, be with us today. Ooh, okay. <laughs> show up. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm going to show up. You know, that's what everybody wants. Just show up. No, I'm not praying that. I'm asking that my marriage will be an example to other marriages. Amen. I'm asking that when I hit 35 and 45 years of being married, that I could say that it was better than it was when it was 25 and 15 years of, of being married. Amen. I don't want it to be where we coast. I want it to thrive and I want it to grow and I want it to be better. I want us to look forward to dates because we want to look forward to dates and not just because we want to get away from the kids. <laughs> we, we, we're in this apathetic just just get by state of mind and i'm thinking lord for me and jenny's marriage and we and i'm not just saying this we love each other honestly love each other not just walk into church holding hands because we're the pastors and we need to do that i love my wife i, I look at my kids and i think lord i've I, you've blessed me with jordan and logan and morgan lord i ask you that you bless them indeed Lord, whatever the plan is that you have for them, exceed my expectations. And I'm not saying they have to be preachers or pastors or whatever. I want what he wants for them. Amen. But I'm not going to limit my prayers for them anymore. Lord, bless them indeed because if God was honored by Jabez's prayer, I'm asking that for them. Lord, bless them with spouses that are going to honor you and bless them with kids and education and finances and all those things that God would be glorified through my family. Amen. Guys, in the world that we're living in, we have kids that go into schools that are taught lies about evolution. They're taught lies about society. They're told that God is a myth. They're, they're taught that marriage is not the way to go anymore. And they're, they're, they're taught that you don't even know what gender you are anymore. And you're saying that the world's in a mess. I have a dream. I have a desire. I have a vision for Fellowship Baptist Church that we go after these kids. That God multiplies our ministries and our Awana program and our kids programs expand. And we do more than we've ever done before. And you're going to say, well, times are tough. Then that means it's time to bring it on. God has set the stage to do great things for us. And I do believe just like Jabez. And you know why at the end of it that God says, and God granted him that which he requested? Because he requested you have not because you ask not. Amen. If churches are going to die today, I want to be the opposite because I'm not going to be lukewarm. If God, when everything that he says, he said, fight. He said, run. Everything that he said is action behind it. It's not just sit there and exist. There's action behind it. So yeah, I want to hear well done. And I don't think we're going to walk into heaven saying, welcome to heaven. I'm alive, aren't I? I'm here. Where's Jesus? You know, like, let me go worship him. <laughs> I want to walk in and God says, yep. You ask exceedingly, abundantly above. You realize that I don't do anything halfway. 
you realize that the dreams that I have for you and your kids and your family, and when God says, I know the plans that I have for you, I want to say, what are they? Let me have them. I want the full package. I want every bit of it. I want the, I want the front and the back and everything in between. God, don't let me skip out on anything. Because the world needs to see the greatness of our God.